are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Brian Peacock here with you once again. My guest today is Owen Groman, and I've known Owen for a decade now. We used to do a radio show together in college, and he is the biggest Pats fan I know. So I wanted to get into some of this Patriots stuff with that ESPN article that dropped over the weekend and uh, doom and gloom about the Patriots and how it intertwined with the 49ers and the whole Jimmy Garoppolo trade. So I want to talk to Owen about that and see what his perspective is being entrenched in Patriots land and knowing the inner workings of everything over there. So we'll see how he feels about all of this and see how much actually he thinks would stick from this article with reality and what's going on in Foxborough. And I really want to know how good everybody thought Jimmy Garoppolo was a few months ago before he came over to San Francisco and won five straight games as a starter because he only had one and a half games as a starter. And people forget that. And there's a lot of talk about how great Jimmy Garoppolo was. He was still very unknown on Halloween when the 49ers acquired him in trade. So I want to hear how uh, they felt about him when the trade happened because people weren't really blowing up over the trade, but it was really the timing of the trade, I think, that had everybody surprised. Don't forget to subscribe to Locked On 49ers. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. Rate and review the show if you can. Tell a friend about the show. And if you have a mailbag question, hit me up at LockedOn49ers at gmail.com or on Twitter at BDPeacock. And make sure you head over to LockedOn49ers.com for all kinds of content, uh, mock drafts, and we're going to have you covered all offseason long with free agency and the drafts. So uh, check that stuff out for myself and writers Chris Wilson and Jesse Ayler. There's stuff going up there all the time at LockedOn49ers.com. All right, uh, let's not waste any more time. Let's get to today's guest. All right, my guest today is Owen Groman. And of course, you're going to remember him from the radio show Sports Outside the Mainstream on KSFS San Francisco State Radio uh, circa, what, 2006, 2007. My former co-host there, Owen, was actually uh, spearheading that program on KSFS in San Francisco. Owen, it's it's good to talk to you, man. It's been a little while. It has been a little while, and uh, I want to make sure everybody knows that you give me credit for spearheading, but you were the one who introduced what a podcast was to me. I did not know what a podcast was. I was confused when you proposed it, and I said, okay, sure, let's do that. Sounds good. Yeah, I believe Podomatic is probably where you could Mm -hmm. find, maybe if that still exists, I haven't checked in a while, that, that might even still be up there. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, our group actually taught what podcasts were to the class as well, because we went to broadcasting school. And there was, you know, what is a professor that might have been working in the industry in the 1980s to know about podcasting? So basically it was up to us to teach the class. That was our group project. I don't know if you were part of my group for that, but I think it was most of the people involved with that show. Eamon, who works over, Eamon Sweeney, who works at KMBR now. And, of course, Antonio, Antonio Kruger was the group that, was, uh, that made up sports outside the mainstream. Yeah, exactly. No, and it, it was, uh, we were, uh, I was excited to be on FM radio, like, yeah, cool, we're on FM 88.3 or whatever, and, you know, we may have somewhere between one and 800 listeners, we have no idea, yeah. and then you were like, well, no, if we do a podcast, we get to know the downloads, and this was revolutionary at the time, it yeah. was awesome. We could so, have two yeah. or 800 and one listeners. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So the reason for those of you listening, wondering why I have Owen, on, uh, Owen Groman on the show, besides being a broadcaster and podcaster, is that he is a Patriots fan. And with the Seth Wickersham article that came out on ESPN over the weekend, a lot of hubbub about that article. And it's intertwined with the Patriots inner workings and now with the 49ers because of the Jimmy Garoppolo storyline and how that all works together. And I wanted to get a New Englander's perspective on this and uh, former actually so <laughs> January in where you're in Portland Maine now right formerly of Santa Barbara California so I'm guessing a little bit different weather change there for you this January and February it's a weather change but you know it's a lot more true you know it's it, in, in terms of being a Patriots fan because it's it's like the you know the game against the Jets a couple of weeks ago where they're talking about oh it's really cold and you know if you're watching that game in California and you're seeing you know Tommy number 12 throwing the ball all over the place and going, what the heck's wrong with this guy today? But when you're here and you feel the cold in your bones, you start to get it like this, this sucks. Nobody yeah. wants to be out there playing football in this or doing anything in this weather. So it's a little, it's a little more true um, from a uh, New England sports fan perspective to be here in the weather and feel it the way the team's feeling it. And yeah, hard to perform in that weather. And another selling point, I think, for the 49ers, when you're talking to free agents, you're like, hey, uh, do you want to play in two degrees or do you want to play in 65 <laughs> degrees every week? Well, and as everybody knows, and as Seth Wickersham pointed out, you guys have the better quarterback of the two, guys, clearly, <laughs> obviously. So uh, that's, I think, the primary selling point is yeah. you have the quarterback who has taken down the dynasty uh, on your side of the fence now. So. Absolutely. Everybody knows that. Uh, we're, we're, we're fighting over what the nickname is. Is it Goat Rapolo? Uh, Optimus Dime is a new oh, name boy. I've seen out there that's very good. Jimmy Franchise. Oh. So Optimus yeah. Dime, I haven't heard that one. Yeah, so that's so, a little complicated. That that's gonna that's gonna be like an alternate because what happens is, you know, I mean, with the with the nicknaming, there's there's gonna be like what he's always called, and then the alternates yes. like Optimus Dime can be clever in a Twitter post once in a while or something. Right. But he's gonna be Jimmy G because he was Jimmy G yeah. here. It was easy for us to call him that. Right. right. I mean, that's just how it's gonna end up. But I like the Jimmy Guapo and the and all that stuff they got going on. But you're gonna end up calling him Jimmy G because he's because he's good, right? He's not gonna need a He's not going to need a goofy nickname. He's going to be a player that you're talking about, you know, all all day long on Sundays. You're just going to end up calling him Jimmy G, right? Sure. Or just James. He's just going to reset James. that and just yeah. Do you remember the band James Mr. from Garoppolo. the '90s? Yeah, there was a band James, I believe, from the '90s that had a hit song that's escaping me right now, but it's an earworm, and I don't even want to get that in my own head or any listeners or yours. So let's let's just drop that right now. Um, okay. So, so uh, getting to Garoppolo, let's start. Let's back this up. Okay, so. Article drops, and it was sort of rumored to be dropping about all this stuff and infighting and whatever's going on with the Patriots. I just want big picture. What was your thought? This article dropped. Did you read it? And once you read it, what were your thoughts? Did your BS meter fly off the radar? Was that going crazy and flashing? Or was it sort of like, we already knew this and it doesn't matter because we're 13 and three. So what's the big deal? Or somewhere in between? Yeah, so... So what happened was I got to see the news of the news, if you will, which uh, I don't know if any of this is news, but anyway, uh, I saw the uh, report, the report was coming. So you, so you start, the blood boils a little bit and you start to get angry and then you realize like this kind of just happens at this time of year. You know, the Patriots are on a bye week you know, the Titans and Bills and all these Jaguars, all these teams are out there throwing rocks at each other and doing nothing. And they're just going, they're just going for, you know, going for the big boys, going after the Patriots and, and trying to make some noise. I mean, you referenced the BS meter. For me, I like to th uh, think critically about things, you know, in general, in my life, in, in, in sports, in anything. And I did read the article. I read the entire actual, you know, on ESPN article, not the 
Uh, it's funny here in New England, people make a habit of, you know, other authors take the same article and turn it into bullet points and make it yeah. their article. Uh-huh. Like, okay, that, that was just the article in bullet points. That's not a new article, but <laughs> nice job. Anyway, um, read the actual article. And, and I think that the thing that strikes me about it is that, you know, the smoking gun of where it becomes kind of BS is that at no point in Wickersham's article does he reference the pure economic element of what the Patriots were up against in trying to think that you could have Brady and Garoppolo both on your roster next year. So, so, you know, it's, it's uh, implicit that if you are going to, you know, make a decision here, it's either get rid of Brady or keep both players. Okay. Get rid of Brady. Just, just get that off the table. I mean, come on, get rid of Brady. That's, that's nonsense. Obviously they weren't going to do that. He's the MVP this year. Uh, so you're going to keep both players. It, it makes no sense whatsoever. And if he had only just referenced that and just said, well, you know, the Patriots did have a difficult decision and here's some of the, you know, cap ramifications, or I spoke with so-and-so the cap expert and, and added that to the story, it would have made me feel like, Hey, maybe there's something here a little bit more, but the fact that that's not even covered and it goes into, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't have a pass into the TB12 training therapy center for, for two weeks. Or so. It's like, come on, get out of here. I mean, the bottom line here is economics. Yeah. Um, and so to not, to not even talk about that, it's just, it just, it's the smoking gun on how the whole thing is nonsense. I'm glad you brought up TB12 because a, a big part of the article, and I, that's what really, when I read this article, and I don't know the inner workings of the Patriots, but just from a, a West Coaster 49ers guy reading this article, I'm thinking, okay, the main focus of this article is a trainer. And I can't imagine yeah. a coach caring less about a trainer than Bill Belichick, right? So in the end, it was almost like, oh, it's, you know, people don't like the trainer. So now the, the Patriots dynasty is going to fall apart. And I was thinking, what? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. No. And then the Garoppolo part of it, it was funny because, okay, it's like oh, everybody in the building hates this trainer and they've locked him out of the building now. But then Garoppolo goes to get treatment there at TB12 and they don't answer the door. And so someone from the Patriots organization calls them to find out why they're not letting him in. It's like, don't you not want him going there? That that part made no sense because do you want Garoppolo going there or not? You, the the response from the Patriots should have been not calling them to trying to get him in. They should have been like, good, don't go there anyway, right? So that that didn't make sense. Are you trying to get players to go to TB12 or do you hate that it exists? Right. Yeah, no, it, you're right. It didn't make a lot of sense. I, I think in this article there was a lot of one plus one equals three type of stuff happening. Um, and, um, you know, look, Garoppolo and Brady, I mean, they've been on Instagram posts at the Kentucky Derby and stuff like that. I mean, you know, do you, do you get the sense that Tom Brady is an easy guy for anybody to hang out with and that he's palling around with the boys at all, all the time at this point in his life? No, probably not. So some of that, you know, you know, Hey, Brady wasn't there for Garoppolo and all that. I mean, you know, it's probably inferred, but not, not terribly inaccurate in terms of, are they the closest, you know, of a pair of quarterbacks could possibly be probably not. So, but I, but again, that's where that one plus one equals three stuff comes in where you start to say, okay, so, you know, maybe Tommy wasn't there for, you know, Jimmy's nephew's birthday party in, in, uh, you know, mid November on the bye week or something. I mean, okay, that, that could happen, but does that mean that he won't let him train with Alex Guerrero or whatever? I, I don't know. A lot of it just seemed kind of, kind of just slammed together. And, you know, I'm sure you're paying attention, at least on the national level. You know, Robert Kraft came out pretty strongly against this. There's some of that that made the national. But on a local level, a lot of the even the anecdotal stuff that was just kind of thrown in there was pretty quickly refuted by local writers with real sources that we've, you know, we here in New England follow all year long. And they, you know, they produce the content that we consume. And, you know, right. we learn to trust them, like Mike Reese of ESPN and Tom Curran and some of these guys. 
pretty quickly came out and said, Hey, I checked on this. Not true. Nothing to it. And you know, the new England, especially the Boston local media is not really known for being in the pocket of the sports teams. It's kind of their business to be a pain for the sports teams. So I don't know. It just, the, the BS meter on this one was, uh, was ringing pretty hot. Yeah. And when it comes to Brady's relationship with Garoppolo, I imagine Tom Brady is a competitor and you know, he is. And mm-hmm. so sort of like, you know, Jim Harbaugh was with the 49ers or Bill Belichick or Nick Saban, all of these guys are competing all day, every day, whether it's a handshake or at dinner or playing football. So I can imagine that not being the, the rosiest situation for a guy that eventually they think might take over for you. So Brady's thinking, well, screw that. I'm playing until I'm 45. Or I, you know, just the, the competitor in him, I could see how that wouldn't be the best relationship as far as Brady wanting to win and wanting to continue to win and have that job. So that's not super surprising. And Belichick's the stuff about Belichick and and craft and you know egos. It's like of course they have some egos, but it, they're thirteen and three. It, what what is falling apart? Yeah. So that that kind of thing I didn't understand. They're reigning Super Bowl champs and have a buy in the playoffs because mm-hmm. they're thirteen and three. So whatever is bad in the in the in the room or in the in the in the building over there is not hurting the product. So why what's falling apart exactly? So that, that all that stuff didn't make sense. And then there was one one more quick thing before we get to more Garoppolo stuff. There was a quick line that sort of was was a real big part of this whole thing is uh, Wickersham threw in this line about uh, Bill, 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 everybody knows Bill Belichick says when the owner starts meddling in personnel decisions, it's time to go. So it's over. It's blown up and Bill's gone. And I was like, what? Come on. <laughs> right. he, he just like threw one line in there. Yeah. This sort of the glue that, that brought it all together. Yeah, no, and, and that's you nailed it. I mean, those are the those are the spots where they just sort of uh, kind of stitched up together with. Uh, you know, scotch tape and Elmer's glue a little bit. And, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. I mean, this is where Twitter's at its best is, uh, is grabbing onto things like this, having fun with them. You don't know who's serious and who's joking entirely, but I've, I've heard the, I've read the, the, someone had a lot of fun with the Belichick to the Browns rumor. That was fun. But the New York, one of the New York rags came up with a Belichick goes to the Giants thing where they yes. seemed like they were actually serious. I, I don't know the New York media well enough to know if that's like a newspaper that's always a joke. You know, if it's a bat boy kind of newspaper or what, but, but, you know, just like, yeah, Belichick's going to go work for Dave Gettleman. That makes tons of sense. Totally. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're having some fun with this. Uh, and that's the thing, right? So the, so the tone of the article, um, I think they explicitly said it at some level, but it was certainly the tone of the article that the three, the Troika uh, is going to break up. Okay. Who's, who's going somewhere? Bob Kraft's not going anywhere. Tom Brady's not going anywhere. Who is Belichick going to go work for, right? Like, is some team planning to just clear out everything they've got in their front office so Belichick can take over and, and start from scratch? And why in the world would he ever do that? It just does not pass any sort of sniff test. I think, again, a lot of this stuff gets fabricated because people don't stay with the team year in, year out, week in, week out, like like we do here in New England, and understand that all this guy cares about is football, almost to the point of being on like the um, – you know, like being on the on – the, uh, um, the spectrum in terms of just being so obsessed with it. I right. mean, he just, that's all he cares about is, is football and, and, you know, execution and, and the details. I mean, heck, he talked about punting for like 23 minutes in a press conference the other day. This is what he cares about. So a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, you know, ego driven stuff that people are latching onto, I just don't think it's there. I mean, they all have big egos. You kind of have to, in some sense, to be successful in this competitive of a sport, but not when it comes to well, would I sacrifice the quality of what I'm doing as it relates to football in exchange for, you know, uh, 
a situation where Robert Kraft's not going to make me trade my backup quarterback. I mean, that's just none of it. None of it really. The pieces don't really connect. So when you bring all that together and then the Garoppolo thing, there is some curious parts of the Garoppolo trade. Um, Mm -hmm. And to me, the, the whole if there is a little bit to this, the thing I don't get is the timing of the deal. Uh, obviously, if Garoppolo is a free agent and you can't afford to franchise tag him or you want to franchise tag somebody else and you know you have to trade him, that makes sense. But the timing of when you d- made that decision and actually traded him still doesn't make sense because the trade deadline is when that doesn't is not when that happens. You 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 have those conversations in March and April and you trade him last offseason when you can get a lot more for him. So it's almost like did they just never have that conversation and then all of a sudden a day before the trade deadline, they're like, oh, yeah, what should we do about Garoppolo? Oh, crap, let's trade him. I mean, that doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah, no, it doesn't. And my understanding of it, first of all, Belichick and, you know, the Patriots organization, don't, they don't do anything that way, right? Everything's all planned out far in advance. So it was not a, it was not a you know, slap it together the day before the deadline situation. What I think it was, and um, what I think it is, uh, I think it's fair to critique the Patriots for the ultimate return for a player that, that that's that good, and they knew he was that good. I think that's a totally fair critique um, overall. I think from a situational standpoint, the Patriots value layering that position very highly. They always have. They've talked about it. Um, and so I think what happened was that, to some extent, Belichick had to cast his regular critical eye on the position and say, it's the ultimate position. It's what matters the most. You know, Tommy is 40. Uh, we got to see what he's got. We're not going to, we're not going to move off from a guy that's that good until we absolutely have to. And at the end of the day, they absolutely had to, and this goes back to the first thing I said about the economics of it. They absolutely had to buy, you know, before next season starts. Right. So if you think this all the way through and there's, there's a, there's some interesting, some, there's an actual, you know, interesting kind of intellectual debate moving past the just kind of garbage Twitter stuff going on. But there's some, you know, there's some stuff online like Joe Thomas, the tackle from the Browns is a pretty interesting guy to follow on Twitter. And, um, you know, he, he made a comment about, look, you got to hold him and you put the franchise tag on him in March and then trade him right away. At the end of the day, there's a little bit of revisionist history there because if he doesn't play a snap all season and then you're holding on to him and you throw the tag on him just to keep him and everybody in the world knows you're going to trade him and nobody's seen him play for a year, are you getting more than a high two? And Brian Hoyer for that? I mean, I don't know that you are, right? I mean, you right. might be hoping for that return. So it is tricky. I think, I think the better version, like you said, where, where the critique is fair is if you go back to previous offseason um, and say maybe they should have traded him then. He'd had some good games there when Tommy was hurt. I mean, he was a monster against the Dolphins. That was the best look we got at him when he just dominated Miami. And I think it was week two before he got hurt. Uh, Garoppolo got hurt. And he showed a lot, and you look at that offseason, the dearth of quarterbacks and teams trying to get competitive, they'd probably do better than a high two at that point. I agree with you. I think Belichick made a decision there that, you know, in hindsight maybe looks back at it and goes, eh, maybe we should have moved him then. But layering that position is so important to him that he didn't necessarily want to move early on that, have Tommy get hurt week three or week four, have Tommy start showing the signs of being 40 years old. There's really no precedent in NFL history for a guy being that good at that age, for the most part, Warren Moon aside and, and some of those, you know, once in a, once in a, once in a blue moon, if you will, uh, situations. Um, so, you know, I think that's, that's where the critique is fair, but I, as a fan and as someone who follows the team, I don't, I don't see it as a massive failure. I just think it's kind of the way it worked out. Yeah. You mentioned the tag and trade option, which still to me makes more sense than the mid season trade, because I think they would still get that high too in a tag and trade. 
but they would also have had Garoppolo the rest of the year and through the playoffs in case something happens to Tom Brady getting hurt. And that's the whole reason to me that you don't trade him last offseason is they're trying to keep Garoppolo through the year. So then the, the midseason trade still doesn't make sense even on that level, even if they know they have to trade him at the end of the year. So the, the timing of it is still weird to me because they, they, they got less value. And the other thing is you mentioned the one and a half games. That's the other part of this. And there's definitely some hindsight going around. You mentioned that you think they knew he was this good, and which is surprising to me because I, as good as you think that Garoppolo could have been, you still only saw him play one and a half games in the NFL. And I think a lot of people are looking back on it like, oh, yeah, of course, everyone knew he was going to be this amazing quarterback. But it's like, no, yeah, he played one and a half games. How many teams are lining up to trade for a guy who's about to be a free agent that has played that little? And to me, probably the Patriots liked him more than anybody else in the league because they actually saw him in practice and had a little more of an idea. So I think there's some hindsight in how good the league might have thought Garoppolo was because there was really no way to know. And now that you've seen it, I mean, he's probably more valuable playing the five games with the 49ers than he would have been if if Brady got hurt and he played those five games and had the same numbers with the Patriots because how bad the 49ers were and how much better he made them look because you almost expected him still to win and expected the Patriots to win if he would have played with them. So I think there's still a little bit of hindsight in, in everyone all of a sudden knowing he's amazing and and knowing he was amazing, you know, two months ago. No, I, th- I think you're exactly right. And I think the one thing about this that I do find interesting, very rarely do I get interested in anything that's not very closely tied to what happens on the field. But the one thing that I'd look for if Belichick were to write a memoir, which of course he won't, or if we can get it from Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch side of things is, is the kind of uh, the, the mysterious, he only made one call. He called Kyle Shanahan. He didn't call Lynch and said, Hey, we do it for your high two or, you know, for your second round pick, which everybody knew would be high two at that point. Um, And, and just pulled the trigger on it. And and that I, I actually believe because again, having been fairly uh, close to the team long enough, having read everything there is consumed, everything there is to know about the guy, which is unfortunately not as much as we'd all want, but you know, he, he respects Mike Shanahan. That relationship goes back a long way. He wanted Jimmy to land in a good spot. He wanted him out of the AFC. All that makes sense. All of that is very consistent with Belichick. But the one thing that's still, even within that, a little bit inconsistent is he's not just a brilliant football guy. He's a brilliant economics guy. I mean, he's actually got a degree in economics, his management of the cap. It's all comes, you know, top down from him. And so it's a little bit out of the norm for him to, to kind of do a, do a, I'm only going to call one team. I mean, that sort of goes outside of um, negotiation one-on-one and some of the basic principles of economics that you don't at least try to get multiple bidders and try to at least create a little bit of a situation there, even if it's quick. Yeah. The, count, the counter to that that I've seen is that they like to work with teams that they trust and they got burned by the Browns and the Jamie Collins deal where the Browns kind of got you know, a little loosey-goosey with it and were a little bit hard to deal with, and so they wanted to deal with someone they trusted. So, so I, guess, I guess that could explain it, but that's one little tidbit that I'd like to know more about you know, and we, and we won't, we won't for five or 10 years or at some point until after Belichick's retired. But, but that's the one thing that is uh, a little bit uh, mysterious and, and interesting about this. Yeah. Five to 10 years, you mentioned uh, the 49ers and the Patriots now are going to be tied together for a long time because of a deal like this. And the better Garoppolo <laughs> yeah. plays, the more, you know, they're going to be tied up and uh, they're going to be talking about this for a very long time. And it's uh, one of the funny things I wanted to mention that I saw on Twitter is that, uh, a conspiracy theory, a joke conspiracy theory is that Tom Brady grew up, obviously, loving the 49ers, grew up in San Mateo, 
Uh, he forced the trade because he wanted Garoppolo to go to the Niners so he could watch the 49ers win five more Super Bowls. Oh, okay. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, like well, this. I'll tell you this. I, I, know, I follow you on Twitter, so I know you saw it. You, you saw, of course, the NFL Films video with Garoppolo. Uh, it was a comeback drive against uh, – remind me, who was that? You know what I'm talking about, the Niners oh, comeback yeah, the, drive, and it was the film. It was, yeah. The turning point against uh, the, the Titans. Yeah. I, I or mean, the Bears. He was Tom Brady. I mean, that every every word came. I mean, trust me, I've consumed every single version you possibly can of all of the Tom Brady videos, like that going back to Owana in the Rams Super Bowl and that whole season. I mean, he was Tom Brady. He mimicked him completely. So whether Tom locked him out at TB12 or not, he owes a lot to Tom. That's for sure because he was Tom Brady to a T. He did exactly what Brady would have done in that situation. Talked like him. Talked to the receiver the way Tommy talks to the receivers. Did everything exactly like him. So. uh the connection, the connection's there, whether Seth Wickersham wants it to be there or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, th- that was the Titans game that uh, Garoppolo brought him back. That was a really awesome video to see how they, they tied that together and watched yeah. him talking to the, the receivers. That's great stuff. I, I would watch that stuff all day. Um, so let's see. Going on with the Patriots here, it seems like another nice road to the Lombardi for the Patriots. How do you see this coming down? I mean, they're, they're obviously the favorites. Are you the type of fan that's like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to get too ahead of myself here and put the, the cart before the horse? Or are you like, okay, and now they're kind of going to be extra pissed off because of this article and all this extra stuff? Is it, you know, is it going to be Patriots and whoever from the yeah. NFC? Well, I watched football all weekend. I watched most of all the games. And so, um, you know, I got to watch the uh, the Titans come back against the Chiefs, I mean, my goodness, I was yeah. watching that game thinking, come on, Titans, just just make it a game. You know, make it like, make it be like a, a one-score game uh, early in the fourth quarter or something so the Chiefs at least have to work. I'm sure we're seeing the Chiefs, and, and I would look at the Chiefs and said, you know, the Patriots take away the other team's strengths. That's what they do. They would have put a lot of emphasis on Kareem Hunt. They would have put safety help over the top on Tyreek, and then you just got to beat Travis Kelsey, who seems to always screw up in big moments anyway. So I felt like, okay, about that game, but the Chiefs would be competitive. The Titans, I mean, I, I give them credit for coming back. I give them, I give them credit for showing some heart. Um, and Mariota, obviously, there's, there's, there's something special about him. I don't know if he's special as a football player or a leader or somewhere in between or whatever it is exactly. So I give them credit. At the same time, I look at them and go, oh, my goodness, they have nothing whatsoever that threatens the Patriots. I mean, their defense doesn't threaten us. That, you know, Dick LeBeau's classic blitzes, great. Tommy's the best against the blitz this year, I think, statistically, and has been for several years now. So you're not going to beat us blitzing. And, uh, you know, offensively, I mean, who do, who do we even have to key in on? There's, there's nobody. Um, Delaney Walker is probably who Belichick would, would put up on the screen in the meeting room. So I, I can't worry about the Titans. Um, you know, of course, you figure the Steelers get the Jaguars and probably win that game, although the Jaguars did beat the heck out of the Steelers earlier in the year. Um, you know, Fournette had probably his best game of the year, I think, in that game, and he hasn't really looked the same. So you have to figure we get the Steelers. And, look, we, we face the Steelers in, you know, late in the season in Pittsburgh, and they probably win that game if not for, uh, obviously, a controversial call where, you know, the call was, was called correctly. Uh, it was kind of a tuck rule-ish call correctly. I, I, I recognize that. I, I would have called it a catch in my backyard and it wasn't a catch. But, you know, the Steelers are right there with us. So you can't just assume, oh, yeah, we're going to beat the Steelers. We have a tendency to beat the Steelers, so – don't lose sleep over it, but uh, that'll be a competitive game. And then I think the NFC, you know, I think the Vikings, I think the Saints, I've been in on the Saints for a little while. I think the Vikings and the Saints are the two teams that worry you. So I don't, I don't look at it and go, oh, yeah, here we are. We're going we're gonna to grab another ring this year. But, um, you know, I think we got a shot at it. And you just, uh, you know, 
think we'll get to the AFC Championship. I'd be shocked if we don't handle the Titans next week, and, and then I think we'll probably have two tough games from there. So hopefully it works out. So, by the way, TB12, is that somewhere I can just go? Because as someone who's rapidly approaching 40 years old, I hope I am that physically. Because that's another thing with the Alex Guerrero stuff is like, dude, I, I, I would hope that, you know, I mean, he's done a great job. If Brady is playing this yeah. well at 40, so sign me up. Where's TB12? Where can I go get um, get my whatever, my my soft tissue massaged or whatever they got going over there? Well, what's funny about the whole story is the uh, – is the uh, you know, the break between Belichick and Guerrero is this big dramatic. I, look, the TB12 Sports Center, is, it, it's right outside Gillette State. It's right there. You know, it's down the street. You know, it's not like Alex Guerrero. They're tr- they have to use Patriot cap funds to fly him in from Providence or something. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, hundreds of feet away from the, uh, you know, from Patriot Place. It's right there. So um, the other thing I'd tell you, it, the, the Alex Guerrero gets a lot of a lot of flack as being a quacker, all this kind of stuff. But like you said, it's working really well. There was a sports writer, I think he's with SI with MMQB. It's uh, Greg. Uh, there's two Gregs. It's, I can't remember which one. It was Greg Bishop, I think his name is, and he did it. And it was kind of funny. He got kind of buried. It never really got a lot of national attention. But I took a look at it. This guy did the TV12 method, and it like changed his life. And he like did a whole segment on it. He's not a he's not a New England sports writer or anything like that. It's just some random dude who said I'm going to go for it. And, uh, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it makes some sense. So you should check it out, Peacock. I think, I think it could uh, do some great things for you there. I'm all about that avocado ice cream, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, avocados are amazing. No, out here in the, in New England, the avocados, uh, not great, not great. They got to ship them from California. Sometimes they get a little weird, but the California avocado is a great thing. And I'm sure Tommy gets, you know, he only gets the finest avocados. I'm sure. Yeah. Those avocados don't do well in two degrees in snow. No, they don't. They get a little pale, they get a little weird, but I'm sure he's got a source. All right. That is Owen Groman, former host of Sports Outside the Mainstream, I believe still on Podomatic somewhere. You can hear my 2007 NFL draft takes if you are a sick person and you want to go find that stuff. Uh, <laughs> Owen, great Fire talking takes. to you, man. Uh, going there, though. I mean, that was, that was a great show. Yeah, oh, that was a fantastic show. Dude, uh, first of all, I nailed... Well, it was uh, the scissor, but it was uh, Jamarcus Russell. That was the Jamarcus Russell draft. I nailed that one. Mm-hmm. I said he was a bust, and I think I had the Niners picking Patrick Willis. So I, I had a couple things right. You did. You did. I, I actually remember that. You were you were in early on, like the deep knowledge of the of the Niners. Like, you know, this was this was years ago. This was before there were like you know, like here in New England, we got the guy who does the cap thing. We got Pat's cap. He does a great job. We got a draft guy. You know, there's there's people who are just in all in on on everything but you were you know before this was a, a thing that everybody was all over you were all over that you were the draft guy oh thank you you know i should have you on the show more often this is great yeah well, <laughs> well look you know it's, it's how, you, how you get more appearances is by paying compliments i, I learned that yeah that i know absolutely absolutely Owen growing you can come on the show anytime and fluff this ego over here until of course our egos collide and then the whole thing will have to get broken up but um, yeah, yeah, Owen Groman, appreciate Five championships later. <laughs> appreciate the time, man. And uh, yeah, hope things are going well for you over there on the East Coast and stay warm. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Peacock. The great Owen Groman, very first guy I ever did a radio show with. Great catching up with him. Thanks again, Owen, for joining the show. Owen, also the host of a podcast, Best in Sales, that I helped produce for him a few years back. Those are evergreen episodes. Anybody in the sales industry, those are some conversations that might interest you. Check out the Best in Sales podcast as well. Always fun talking about ball with that guy and interesting how the 49ers and the Patriots are now going to 
be intertwined really forever, especially if Jimmy Garoppolo is very good for the long term for the 49ers. It's going to be an interesting thing to follow and see uh, how any of this stuff actually goes down with the Patriots, aside from age of Tom Brady eventually being done if this whole thing really collapses in New England. And I'm skeptical in the short term that things are, are going to go south there. But obviously, Belichick's been around for a long time. He's not going to coach forever. Brady, as you know, he's already overstate his welcome, if you want to put it that way. He's already played better than anybody ever has at his age. And so that eventually that will end as well. So that's probably why the dynasty will end more than any of this other stuff that's going around and uh, some big rifts in there with ownership and coaches and players and stuff like that. But we'll see how it all plays out and see how those NFL playoffs play out. And that's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review. BB Peacock on Twitter. Email LockedOn49ers at gmail, LockedOn49ers.com. Talk to you guys tomorrow right here on Locked On 49ers.